Hey guys, and welcome to a, another episode of the Human Connection Project podcast. We are all about empowering connection to develop psychological resilience and emotional well-being in our community, because now, more than ever, we need human connection. I hope you enjoy this episode, and as always, make sure you share it to someone who you feel this can make a positive impact on. Alrighty guys, welcome back. We've got another episode of the Human Connection Project podcast today and I am super grateful to be joined by the one and only Declan Edwards from B Coaching. I'm going to let him do his introduction, but I met Declan through a friend of mine, Katie, who had nothing but good things to say about Declan and I can assure you from our interactions uh, to date, I'll back up every word she said. So tell us a little bit about who Declan Edwards is and then we'll get into the story of what he does after that. 100% mate and I mean first and foremost thanks for inviting me onto the show um it's always the big question isn't it who is De- like who is Declan mm. Edwards and what does he do uh when people ask me that I always sort of play around with the answer a little bit I suppose if we look professionally the thing that I'm really passionate about is how do we help people thrive and flourish so I've always been fascinated in really helping people achieve their potential and not just getting through life, right? Like not just ticking the boxes and surviving, but actually going past that, uh, which obviously led to, as you said, me opening BU coaching and focusing on positive psychology and cognitive behavioral therapy and all these other fields of research. Mm. Uh, On a personal note, I think a lot of that comes from my own struggles in the past with self-esteem and with self-doubt and anxiety, especially around body image as well, um, growing up as a, a young guy. And then being fortunate enough to work with some amazing coaches and mentors myself who really helped me connect with A, what I wanted to do in my life and, and, and who I was in my own strengths and value rather than trying to be the human chameleon of just trying to basically be whoever what everyone else wanted me to be, right? Um, and I think that has really become a, a defining part of my life is this continual journey for myself into what does it mean to thrive and flourish and fulfill my potential. But then of course, how can I help other people do that as well in a way that's really evidence-based and fun? Yeah. I think that's the best part is when you can take people along for the journey, but you mentioned, you know, childhood, I guess, mm. with the body image and going through school. And I know there's a lot of parents that are listening to our content at the moment. We've got kids that are staying home from school, etc. What What was the kind of, progression that you made as a as a young man going through school because I definitely had the body image stuff myself it's no coincidence that the word mat rhymes with fat right um so I definitely had the same problems um what was what was your journey like through school so for me a lot of my journey through school and especially in these topics of well-being and what that actually looks like and means a lot of it actually started around early high school so it was obviously a big change we're going into high school so there's already some change there I'd moved around a lot as a kid I'm actually uh, the son of a military man so obviously moving around a lot with military so new schools were regularly a new thing Um, but for me the big challenge came in I'm the first male in five generations to not be military or police force so from a very young age I just assumed that that was what I was meant to do in my life as I was go into the military or the police force and sort of following my family's footsteps and I think the challenge came from going well hang on I I don't actually want that for myself but I don't know what I do want right it's like I know I don't want that but now I'm just staring at this blank canvas um, and that's terrifying and overwhelming in itself and of course that led to some insecurities and then 
around that time I jumped on social media. You know, I'm in high school. I'm starting to get on the social media train. Yeah. And instantly I start comparing myself to these guys by the beach, you know, ripped abs. And they're all with these massive smiles on their face. And at the time I went, oh, that's why I'm not happy. Mm. It's not because of this. I have no idea what my sense of purpose is or what I want to do in my life. No, no, no. That's too hard to look at. Let's put that aside. It's yeah. because I don't have abs. That's the <laughs> secret to happiness. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I ended up losing 40 kilos roughly in under a year in the worst way possible. Put myself yeah. in and out of hospital with disordered eating through that process. Um, so this was late high school now. I basically just come out of high school into university. Mm -hmm. And fortunately for me at that time, I'd connected with a great mentor uh, who was kind of my first male role model of someone really living a life by their choice and by their design. Yeah. Um, I'd never really seen that before. So I was very grateful to almost, um, in a way, like adopt him as a big brother <laughs> and yeah. learn from him. And yeah, just have someone there that I could ask questions to and be like, okay, what does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to figure out who I am rather than just, as I said, be that human chameleon of whatever everyone else wants me to be. I'm really good at doing it. Yeah. And what does, what does it mean now to you, uh, you know, years down the track to be happy? I think for me, I always look at the two different types of happiness, right? So there's, and a lot of people don't know this, which is quite interesting. So there's hedonic happiness, which is the classic yellow smiley face happiness of mm. quite exciting, uplifting, high energy. Um, and that's what most people think about when they talk about happiness. And that's definitely what I chased for a long time. But the funny thing with it is the more you chase it, the further it gets away. Mm. Um, and there is this thing called the hedonic treadmill of I'll be happy when. Right? And yeah. we get to the when and then happiness is around the next goal or the next corner. Yeah. So I've come to really appreciate that that form of happiness, it's beautiful. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but it's very fleeting. And trying to hold on to it with a firm grasp actually makes it harder to look after. So I'm more focused now, all these years later, on eudaimonic happiness, which yeah. is more a sense of contentment and purpose and meaning and uh, experiencing the joy in just day-to-day -day life. I think now the balance for me has always been, or is, is now really about how do I be genuinely, deeply happy with exactly where I am in life? but still have meaningful goals that I'm pursuing. Yeah. I think, I think you're so right. A lot of people won't know the two, the two different types of happiness. I think a lot of us do chase that, that yellow grin. You know, we want to be happy and outgoing in everyday life. And a lot of us kind of, and myself included for a long, long time, I found it really hard to be happy with exactly where I was. You know, I was a carpenter for a long, long time. You know, it was a great job. I was getting a little bit of fulfillment out of it, but I was never genuinely happy with what I was doing. And now, seven years down the track, I'm doing something that literally I don't have to set an alarm for. I wake up energized. I enjoy it. Yeah, I'll have sad days and there's days when I'm not walking around with a massive smile on my face, but I'm genuinely happy all the time. I'm just not expressing it. You know? And I think that's where... We, we, especially on social media, you talked about earlier, people putting these highlight reels out there and they get a lot of flack for it and, and rightfully so for some of it. But people are now trying to chase that yellow grin or that happiness all the time because they think it's attainable when you'll be the first to tell us with, with all your education that, you know, it's, it's physically impossible to be in that state 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And how sad would it be if we were? Like yeah. this is the thing, the, the, the duality of life is how do we really deeply appreciate those moments of yes, the yellow smiley face and that uplifting, excited form of happiness. If we don't know what the other side of the coin looks like. Mm. 
but we we cannot there was a great um a great analogy that one of my mentors told me once he said a man passes away and wakes up in his dream house with his dream partner does his dream job has his dream car goes throughout the day and goes oh my god this is amazing i must have made it to heaven this is incredible and then the next day does the exact same thing and he goes to bed and goes i must be in heaven this this is incredible i'm so lucky he keeps doing this day after day after day and eventually reaches a point where he goes this isn't enjoyable anymore mm-hmm. there's no meaning or purpose to it and he goes up to the person in charge and goes hey what's going on i thought this was heaven he goes my friend this is not heaven this is hell yeah and i think it hit me so hard because i heard that analogy at a time when i was consistently pursuing that ideal life right whatever that looked like in my head at the time rather than going as i said how can i be really happy now yeah and pursue things that matter to me at the same time so yeah, I talk heavily when we talk in schools and corporates, we talk heavily of a uh, passion over purpose, you know, yeah. marketing books uh, and motivational speakers, if I can use that term, talk so much into finding your purpose. And Simon Sinek is probably one of the greatest, greatest uh, pushes of this message. And I love his work. But what we're seeing now is people are finding if they don't have a purpose, then they feel pointless. So what we do is we push passion over purpose. And that's going to distill you know, the purpose of your work. So my passion in a very broad sense is to stop people killing themselves. When I narrow that down, my purpose is to connect humanity. uh, So people have human connections. So they feel supported and they feel nurtured. So in times of darkness and times of need, that they won't then take their own life because they feel like there's no one out there. Mm. I think that's where I'd love to hear your perspective on is where do you sit on the purpose and the passion spectrum? and, And how do you, I guess, educate and pass that on to your community yeah it's a really good question it's a great topic too because we know from the research that purpose is so important to our sense of flourishing and and thriving and that eudaimonic happiness we spoke about before that contentment Mm. right in fact like positive psychology has currently uh, they've developed the world's most evidence-based recipe for happiness and a big part of that recipe is meaning and purpose so it's like literally yeah. in the core recipe that we're finding for what makes people happy and, and thrive. But you're right. I think purpose can be such an overwhelming and daunting topic, mm. right? It's like the thing I see so often yeah, is people like, like, oh God, <laughs> what is this one big overbearing lifelong all consuming purpose? I mean, I get terrified thinking about that. That's, mm. it seems so huge. So when we break it down, I think a lot of the myths around purpose are, one, people fall into the trap of thinking that it has to be the same purpose forever. Yeah. And it doesn't. Like, I'm a very different person now than I was five years ago. I imagine if you're listening to this, chances are you've changed over the last couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think that our purpose won't change with us. Yeah. When we allow ourselves to go, okay, I don't need to find my life purpose. I need to find my purpose for now. Mm-hmm. It becomes easier. And I think the other thing that helps is not thinking it has to be one, right? Mm-hmm. We can express our purpose in so many different ways. I love, I'm, I'm so passionate about, and obviously you mentioned passion being a component of purpose. Uh, I'm so passionate about music. And I see, you know, I treat playing guitar and singing and music as an expression of my purpose. Does it mean I have to make money from it or do it professionally as my day job? No, mm. no. I see what I do with BU and helping people learn these skills to thrive as an integral part of my purpose. But it makes us be more three-dimensional yeah and that gives us the 
almost a stability in sense because the danger is if you put all your purpose into one basket, right? What happens if that basket goes? Mm. So if your whole purpose is I'm a teacher, what happens if you lose your job? Yep. Right. And now we're sort of left in the lurch again. When we spread it out and diversify, we're a lot safer. Um, it's interesting you mentioned passion. The last thing I'll sort of say on purpose is we teach literally the recipe for developing a sense of purpose is one, identify what you're passionate about. So yeah. same thing that you've done, which I love. Yeah. Two, go and practice it because you don't know if you feel a sense of purpose till you actually dive in. Yep. Can't figure out purpose theoretically, right? You're only going to figure it out when you're actually in the arena, doing the work, getting sweaty and experiencing it. And then the third step is persevere. Purpose is not always sunshine and rainbows and enjoyable. Purpose can be tough sometimes, but even when it's tough, there is that sense of resilience of knowing sort of deep down that's like, this matters so much to me. Like I imagine you've had plenty of challenges and tough times in building up the human connection project. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. And I imagine through those times, a big part of getting through that and being resilient in them is somewhere deep inside. There's just that voice or that knowledge that like this matters. Like at the yep. end of the day, this matters so much. Um, I think if people just follow that, right, that passion, practice and persevere, they'd yeah. be surprised by how quickly they can connect with a sense of purpose. I, uh, I think that's absolutely perfect. And how I explain it is I kind of fall back into my tradesman days. And for instance, a, a carpenter, his passion, and I'm speaking broadly here, his passion might be build, to build a house. But each individual tool that he has in his toolkit is a purpose. You know, his plane is a purpose. His hammers are purpose. And now I use that metaphor in everyday life in terms of your passion. Your passion is to make people flourish and just be the best version of themselves and, and a couple of purpose you use is yeah your music and i've seen your music on facebook and it definitely helps me feel good for the day it's your coaching it's all these different elements are building up so when simon sinek talks about he says find your why and what we're getting confused with is we're now telling people to find their purpose and those are very two very different terms and it and that's where I get so fearful is when we did a presentation at Ipswich Girls Grammar not long ago. And one of the girls said, year nine, so 14 years of age, roughly, I haven't found my purpose yet. And I was like, young lady, you could be the next prime minister, prime minister of Australia, but you're 14 now. Let's, let's have a purpose for this week, uh, a purpose for this month. And we're very fortunate in one of our businesses, we were able to employ people uh, with mental health or mental illness issues uh, through their life. And what I talked to them all the time about was they just had a purpose for that day. And then the next day they had a purpose for that day. And yesterday it might've been chopping broccoli. And today it's putting our mincers in trays, who knows? But, you know, and it was just such a clear representation that, yeah, we're on the right path. And people like yourself, we're on the right path. We're just giving people passions every single day to build to their to overall goal. And I think there's something beautiful in finding, maybe not finding, maybe more connecting with is the right term connecting with the meaning behind day-to-day tasks yeah right when we start seeing something like preparing a nice meal as more than just preparing a nice meal it matters so much more like people think i'm crazy when i tell them i genuinely love doing the dishes Um, (laughs) genuinely love it for me it's not about doing the dishes yeah it it, i'm so mindful when i do the dishes like i'm actually fully present when i'm doing them i think part of it is my hands are all soapy so i can't use my phone so i'm fully off technology for <laughs> yeah. a bit right disconnected um, from technology yeah, i've got this space for like mm. and i'm slow like my wife will tell you the time it takes her to do the dishes is like 10 minutes <laughs> takes me an hour because i'm like yes and now we're gonna really 
wash this plate. Polishing your plates. Slowly <laughs> put it in. It's meditation for me, right? Well, that's an active meditation that a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who does still meditation. Yep. Chances are I probably never will be. And that's not about, I'm an active meditation. So I run every day at the moment mm-hmm. for my meditation, um, which dishes sounds like it might be for you. <laughs> exactly. And that's it. Just find the things that you can start to view as more. There's that famous um, Facebook video. Uh, it was, if you want to change your life, start by making your bed. Yes. And it was this, you know, this uh, guy from the military talking about the importance and the meaning and purpose behind having a made bed means no matter what happens in the day, no matter how chaotic it is, you're coming home to something that is ordered and tidy and, you know, makes sense and it feels nice. It's, it's almost starting the day with a sense of accomplishment. I watched that video and I love it and I love that he loves it. I can't stand making my bed. I get no <laughs> meaning out of it. That's not my thing and that's fine, right? So again, for people listening to this, identify where you can tie in some meaning and purpose to just day-to-day items and see them as more than just another thing to have to do. Yeah. I was on a, um, I was on a live video yesterday and we talked into routine and regimen and how people are getting confused and putting the two together now. So if you've got a morning routine and perhaps you don't do something in that routine and you, your whole day apparently falls apart, that's no longer a routine. You're now regimented to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give you my morning routine and I'd love to hear yours. Mine's very simple. I have a cold shower and not, not based off the science that a lot of people have a cold shower around the body and, and the organs and how great it is for you. I get that. I do it because it's really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. And I know if I can get through that, I've put a score on the board for Matt for the day. I then make the bed <laughs> because it's another score on the board. I then brain dump, which is my version of saying journaling. Uh, when I brain dump, I literally just toss everything on a page. Mm. Uh, and then I go through some movement or some meditation. So today, movement and meditation together was a run. And then I'll just sort of plan out my day. And I was fortunate enough to plan out a couple podcasts today, which is really exciting. What does your morning look like? So mine at the moment, now it's obviously gone through a bit of a shift recently. Figuring it out, but normally, it's mm. as soon as I'm up, it's some form of exercise. So either a run... At the moment, it's obviously home workouts. Uh, normally, it would be go to the gym. And I do that because I noticed in myself, and again, I think personal development's about learning how to double down on your strengths, mm-hmm. mitigate some of your limitations, and just learn how to work with your mind, not against it. I know with my mind that I can tell myself I'm going to work out after 9 a.m. It's a load of bullshit. I'm not going to work out after 9 a.m. I get yeah. too into other things. Right? So for me, it's up, working out straight away, almost before my brain can tell me not to. Yeah. Uh, from there, cold shower as well. So cold shower is a, a big thing I do. And then I do a very specific, um, like that's called a day plan. So the first thing I do is a little bit of meditation or breath work. And then I ask myself, what is my heart craving from me today? And I write whatever comes to mind. I do tend to be someone who lives more in their head, which is good for planning, not so good for anxiety, mm. um, and tends to be a little almost too logical. So for me, just that practice of, hey, what is what's my heart craving from me today rather than what would make sense to do today or what's the smartest move? What's my heart really want? And I'll journal on that, whatever comes up and then I'll write, what am I grateful for today? So three things I'm grateful for and why Um, that's the key. You've got to write why as well to really marinate in it. Uh, And then I'll do my to-do list. So I'll do, okay, what is on my calendar? What's the things I'd like to get done today? And is there anything in that, what my heart is craving today that I can integrate in today? So that way, I know one of my mentors once said to me, 
He said, uh, you'll go through times in your life where you're a human doing. So you're pretty much just focused on action and, you know, action man, just doing things all the time. On the other side, you'll have moments where you're a human thinking. It's like planning and learning and very cognitive. Don't miss the opportunities to be a human being, which is in the middle. Mm. And he goes, a lot of people, and at the time, myself included, was doing this, was just swinging between think, 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 think about the future and then do, 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 do all these things. Like sort of that hustle mentality that we see on social media. And I was never enjoying that middle ground. I think that process now of starting the day with what's my heart craving has helped me personally get back in touch with that, what it means to be a human being to actually yeah. be in the moment and enjoy it. That's spot on. I really enjoy that. What's my heart craving? Something everyone can put into practice daily. Now, obviously we're called the Human Connection Project, which means our whole body of work is around connecting humans to one another and communities to each other. We work off three pillars, empathy, leadership, and empowerment. I would love to hear what, what each of those words mean for you and how, how you see people listening to this today can best implement empathy, leadership, and empowerment into their life. I love that. Um, again, kind of fortuitous timing. So I'm actually studying again this year. I keep telling myself I won't, but I, I love <laughs> it. So I'm back again. I'm studying um, a course called The Science of Happiness through the University of Berkeley in California. Yeah to add on to my positive psychology trainings. Uh, but this week we were literally studying empathy. Um, so fortuitous timing. Yes. Uh, so the cool thing, something I learned this week, which I love is the distinct difference between empathy and compassion. Mm. Now they're both very useful. Empathy is more the ability to understand and resonate with someone else's feelings and point of view. So important. Uh, compassion is almost a sub branch of that where it's specifically about um, people's point of view or feelings that are maybe challenging to them. Like th there's some form of hurt or struggle or suffering and it's a desire to help lift them out of that. So it's really interesting that sort of compassion is more on that help. Literally the Latin for compassion means, um, I think it's from compati, which means uh, together we suffer. So when we look at empathy, I think it's a really... No it, we talk about compassion a lot in, in positive psychology, but I'm actually more interested in empathy because it allows us to not only obviously be there and resonate and connect with and take that point of view when someone is suffering and help lift them out of it. It allows us to connect with someone when they're in moments of joy and beauty, yeah. gratitude. And when we share that experience, it compounds it. It makes it better for everyone. Um, Absolutely. So for me, for me, right, when I, th when I think of empathy, I think it's literally that ability to be aware of and understand and connect with someone else's perspective and their feelings, regardless of their background, which is quite yeah. a, a really important thing, obviously, for connection. Absolutely. We break them into uh, cognitive, emotional and physical empathy. Oh, nice. So the understanding, the feeling, and then the physically actually being there. And, and like you so rightly point out, a lot of people seem to disregard or forget the positive empathy. So when... Yes when someone has achieved something incredible, you know, empathy, like being excited with them and for them and around the whole event, we see empathy and we think they're going through a hard time. How can I be empathetic towards them? So and, I'm super glad you brought that up. And what we've actually found too in the research is in specifically in regard to relationships. Uh, so like romantic relationships with significant other, it is more uh, predictive whether that relationship will flourish and thrive or whether it will end in divorce or breakup it's actually more predictive for researchers to look at how you respond in good times than it is to look at how you respond in bad times. 
which mm-hmm. has been a fascinating breakthrough in the research in the last 10 years. Obviously, we always thought a lot of the talk in research was around being empathetic during challenges as a couple or um, conflict resolution. Don't get me wrong, very important topics. Yes. But they've actually found now it is more important to know how to lift each other up and, and celebrate each other and really nurture those feelings when times are good. Yeah. So I, I love that you guys focus on that positive side of it as well. Yeah, I think it's so important. Like, for instance, the amount of businesses now, I'm not a massive fan of the word, but the amount of businesses that are pivoting at the moment. So a husband or wife are at home and perhaps a wife has just pivoted her whole business and that's an opportunity for the partner to then be super empathetic, excited, elated, and celebrate this massive change uh, instead of just going, oh, okay, cool. That, how do I pivot my business as well as you've just pivoted yours? 100%. So I think that's interesting. Uh, and leadership and empowerment. So leadership um, is one of my favorite topics that I speak on, actually, mm. uh, because our, our, my approach to it is so different than what I think is a lot of the stuff out there. I actually, so last year, I was in Texas for a month. And I was consulting for one of our clients over there, uh, working with their team on leadership, specifically with their sales team. Uh, and it was funny, we got a feedback form afterwards from the manager. He said, one of the staff came in and said, he didn't mention the word sales once. <laughs> and, and he didn't really even talk about my role at work once. The whole talk, I said, you've got to stop trying to lead other people without leading yourself first. Mm. Like leadership starts with self. Definitely. We've got to be leading ourselves effectively to then be able to lead from a place of authenticity, from a place of understanding and compassion and connection. And I, I worry that a lot of the leadership tools out there are how do we lead other people better? But there's not much on how do I lead myself better first? How do I put myself in the best position possible to lead other people effectively? Um, especially in organizations. So we do a lot now, our corporate side of, of BU is exclusively working with the education sector. Yep. Uh, so we went, if we want to make a ripple effect and change as many lives as possible, what are the best industries to work with? Jeez, education sector, yeah. one of the highest burnout rates, one of the highest stress leave rates, but also in a very unique position to influence the yeah. well-being and skill sets of the next generation. Absolutely. So we talk a lot with them. It's funny, we've, we've had principals or deputies be like, oh, we want you to come in and work with the, the teachers. I'm like, let me look at your leadership team first. Mm. Like that's worked on this top down uh, and we found it actually works better. So for those who are listening who want to be a better leader, this is the thing, people think leadership is a position and it's reserved for the lucky few of society. I think that's yeah. rubbish. Yes. I think we can all be leaders uh, and it's needed now more than ever that we do all step up and be leaders in our own way. I don't care how many people you're leading, you can be the leader of your household and just influence your kids really beautifully. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I've seen, I've seen kids that are better leaders than CEOs of corporates. 100%. 100%, right? So those listening, I'd encourage you to start thinking, how can I lead myself better? What does that look like? And then flow out from there. Yeah, because I, I like to tell people, you know, if you can't trust your own leadership to follow it yourself, then how are you ever going to lead a group or a team or a family? We see the old saying, and, I think it's rubbish. I'm, I'm happy to be corrected, but you can't love somebody until you learn to love yourself. I think you can't lead somebody until you can lead yourself. I think, yeah, I'm actually kind of with you on that. I think you can't love someone until you love yourself, or you can't lead someone until you lead yourself. I think in a way they're both rubbish. I think the difference would be you can't 
love someone at full capacity. Yeah. So you can still love them a hundred percent and you can still lead other people. It just won't be as effective. Yeah. It won't be the full potential. Um, you can still do it. hundred yeah. percent. But if you want to do it at full capacity, we speak at, at BU a lot in our accelerator program for our, our uh, individual clients. We tend to work a lot with people that would identify as helpers, people who love helping others, notoriously bad at helping themselves. So they burn out, they're stressed, they're anxious, they're overwhelmed because they forget to give back to self. And we use the analogy of step one is learn well-being strategies. So fill your cup so it's overflowing. Step two Mm. is do personal development techniques to grow your cup. So to expand your potential, Mm. do those two together like regularly. And then step three is make an impact. So use the overflow to pour back. Where most people make the mistake is they try and start at step three. Yeah. Try and start with how do I help others? How do I lead others? How do I love others? How do I make an impact to others? And they're doing it with an empty cup. Yeah. We've got to start at filling the cup, growing the cup, and then we can make that overflow more sustainable. And as I said, more uh, we're actually doing it to its full potential. Love that. I tell people when, when anyone comes to me saying they want to do some sort of personal development or what do I think of personal development, my analogy I always use is personal development isn't filling your cup. It's mm. turning your cup into a bucket. Yeah, nice. Okay, perfect. Same thing. So when you yeah, say we're well-being for filling the cup, personal development for growing it, and yeah. then purpose and impact for making a ripple effect, making yeah. something bigger than just ourselves. Massive. And then overarching or final pillar, uh, empowerment. Yeah. Empowerment is, is an interesting one. Again, I, I think of empowerment as starting with self. Mm. right i believe that we are empowered when we have the tools the skill sets the tribe so like the connection with the right people around us to fulfill our potential and like we we not only know how to do it but we're confident in our ability to do it and so that's obviously comes from you know part of it is going to be more that human thinking side like i said we've got to learn the techniques the strategies and you know connect with the right professionals and the other side is the doing side of actually, well, you're not going to get good with a hammer till you've practiced with a hammer. You're going to hit a few nails and you'll probably hit your thumb a few times and it's going to hurt and you're going to screw up and that's fine. Yeah. But the more you do it, the better you get. Empowerment comes when we've been able to balance both of those sides. We're doing the human thinking part well. We're doing the human doing part well. And it allows us to come back to that center of being a, a holistic and complete human being. Mm. So empowering yourself and then empowering others. So yeah. Be you coaching or human connection project or any number of consulting and coaching firms could give the best presentation tools workshops workbooks in the world but if we're not at the end empowering people to actually put that into practice i think that's where a lot of organizations are falling apart so that's our three pillars i want to hear a little bit about what's on the because i know there's some exciting things on the radar what's on the radar and the horizon for be you coaching and you personally Mm. So we've got a, a couple of really exciting things. I mean, if we look at BU, there's really two sides to it. There's, as I said, our corporate side, which is specifically with the education sector. So we've been developing and we're now able to actually release this year, which is super exciting. Uh, we realized most schools don't actually know what's happening with their staff wellbeing and engagement. It's all guesswork. Mm-hmm. And they might decide to do some stuff with staff training and, and try and prevent burnout or stress leave or uh, mental health concerns in the workplace. But they're really just throwing money at the wall, hoping it sticks because they don't know what topics are needed. So we partnered with a bunch of universities last year and got the commercial rights to a lot of evidence-based 
surveys and tests. So we can actually now do a full well-being report on the school and say, this is where you're ranking compared to industry average. These are the topics that your staff are struggling with the most that would most benefit you. These are the ones that they're doing really well at. Keep that up. It just brings clarity to the picture. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Again, just for the flow on effect, if we know from the research that when teachers are empowered and looking after themselves and they're filling their cups and growing their cups, they naturally pass it on to the kids, right? It flows on so beautifully. So on the corporate side, I'm really pumped about that. On the individual side, uh, we run the personal development and wellbeing accelerator program, which we joke is kind of like joining a, a, a frat house or a sorority house for a college. Yeah. Right? So if BU was a college for wellbeing, we literally have uh, people call themselves freshmen in their first year. They go into <laughs> sophomore year. We have letterman jackets. Like for us, we wanted to make wellbeing not so much of a serious and daunting topic. Yeah. Had to, we want it to be fun and engaging and be part of a tribe. Like you, you know, mm. you've got your frat brothers and your sorority sisters and it's this really nice environment. Yeah. I'm really excited about continuing to expand that at the moment. We're fortunate enough to have members all around Australia because the program's fully online and they get that one-on-one support and access to all those tools and strategies to really help them thrive. But in the last six months, especially we've also had members come on board from the UK from the US and as recently as a couple of days ago from Canada. So for us, you know, it's, I'm really excited by that ability to be able to give back and help and make a difference. Um, specifically with those people who identify as helpers, you know, the people who are like, I've, I'm so busy giving back to everyone else that I'm just burnt out and stressed and overwhelmed. Um, one thing in particular in light of obviously everything that's happening in the world at the moment and the uncertainty in the world is we're just about to launch debrief by donation sessions for healthcare professionals um, and for educational professionals so for the people on the front line of all of this who are struggling a lot mentally and emotionally and don't have the resources or the support network there we're now doing one-on-one debrief sessions with a professional by donation people can drop a dollar and do it yeah that's Um, fantastic and for me it was just again at BU our vision is make an impact start with self yeah and we went who are the people that if we help them start with self they're naturally going to make an even greater impact past what we could ever do as individuals. Um, so I'm very excited for that. That is amazing. You have to um, make sure you send the links through so we can pass them on. Definitely, I'd love that, thank you. Yeah, I think it's now, now more than ever, we need access to professionals, we need access to our community, and we need to, you know, I sound like a, a broken record, but we need human connection now more than ever. We need to be leaning both into and on each other, you know, like leaning on our friends when we feel down, leaning into each other and empathy, being vulnerable because that's where the connection is born. Now, before we finish up, there's somebody that I emulate what he does, Mark Burris. I think he's absolutely fantastic. A controversial figure, that's for sure. But there's something he does at the end of every podcast, which I'm absolutely in love with. And he gives the guest an opportunity to ask the host a question. So Declan, do you have any question at all, mental health related, work related, anything related at all to ask me? The pondering face worries me. (laughs) Why connection? Out of every approach to helping people with their mental health and well-being, from your perspective, because it is such an important component. Again, I mentioned earlier, meaning and purpose being part of the recipe from positive psychology for happiness and flourishing. Um, Relationships and connection is also one of those. So it's literally in the top five uh, identified reasons. But why that one out of the others? I, 
Yeah, so I've been asked this a lot lately, which is good. I had a question on hand, <laughs> an answer on hand, sorry. When I was a carpenter, I was always the person bringing people together over the Smoko shed, toolbox meetings, just learning. When I was a footy player, I was always trying to bring the team together, making the team feel more connected. Um, you know, the captain steered the ship. I tried to be the person to make everyone feel part of something. And then five years ago, when I lost my best friend, Justin, in an accident, I realized I wasn't as connected to everyone as I thought I was. I had this incredible network. I could call anyone any time of the day, but I wasn't really connected via empathy, leadership and empowerment. I didn't feel vulnerably connected. So for the last five years and probably longer, previous to Justin's passing, I've been working on educating why human connection is so important. How do we make it? How do we make bonds stronger? And then when I had the opportunity to work with uh, those that identify with mental illness, I got to learn about how badly they need connection. When, when we are in bad places, and I definitely have had my experiences with depression after Justin's passing, I needed people around me, but at the same time, I was pushing them away. So it was how do we, how do we lean on human connection? And now more than ever with you know, C19 or COVID-19, which we're facing, now, I didn't realise when I started Human Connection Project how relevant it would become today because the reality is we're going to see, we're predicting a 300% rise in suicide. I think when this is all said and done, that number will be dwarfed by the actual figure. Mm. So if we're losing eight recorded uh, lives to suicide a day, realistically, that's more like 12, uh, you know, single vehicle accidents and the like. At, during COVID and at the end of COVID, we have the real potential that we could be losing 48 to 50 incredible Australian lives to suicide every single day because we have been an awareness nation for so long. We have been hanging posters, we've been breaking stigmas and we've done a really, really, really good job at it. But we haven't got the platforms now to have that solid connection. We haven't got the platforms to feel nurtured and supported and be proactive in it. So we've got I think Australia has got one of the best reactive mental illness and health industries, for that matter, in the entire world. You get sick, we've got you covered. You have mental health problems, we've got you covered. But where we're probably almost one of the lowest rankings in the globe is our proactive approach. You know, Before somebody becomes sick, where's our proactive approach? Before somebody has depression or stress or suicidal tendencies, where's our proactive approach? So that's, I guess why human connection to me and i could talk about it forever and you can tell my voice gets up uh that's why it's the most important thing to me yeah beautiful and why human connection over everything else yeah, yeah. thank you i appreciate that yeah good question i like that but um look Declan, i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and from our whole entire community's heart for being a part of today's podcast i personally have learned a ton and i'm sure everyone listening would have learned a ton so where can we find you where can we find BU Coaching? And make sure you send me those links, guys. If you're listening, the links will be uh, in the show notes. I sound like a real podcaster now. <laughs> um, and you can find those. So where can we find you? Uh, so a couple of places. Obviously, the BU Coaching website is a great place to go. We've got a bunch of free resources on there to help people start their well-being journey, um, as well as more information about the Accelerator program and an application to see if you're the right fit to go into freshman year. So that would be www.bu. So just the letters BU coaching.org um, everything you need's up on there uh, in terms of connecting with me more on a personal level as well facebook is my chosen social media platform uh, of choice i've ditched instagram last year personally <laughs> so just searching for bu coaching or for declan edwards on facebook 
And I also have my own podcast that comes out each week. So any podcasting platform, be you with Declan Edwards. Uh, there's weekly episodes just to give you some more access to tools and professionals to help you really navigate your well-being and Perfect. accelerate your journey there. Fantastic. Mate, thank you again. Super appreciative. And I hope you have an incredible day. And let's stay connected during these difficult, uncharted waters. Definitely, definitely. Hey guys, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Connection Project Podcast. I know and we know times are very difficult and dare I say it, unprecedented right now. So I would urge you now more than ever to lean into your friends, lean into your community and make sure we're connecting to each other because we will make it out of this, but we need to be standing metaphorically hand in hand right now. If this has stirred any emotions to you, please make sure you reach out to a loved one or Lifeline on 13 11 14. And remember, how good's living.